With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Well, hello there. It's the end of another month, which means it's time for another edition of the Res Review Audio Magazine here on Anfield Index with myself, Andy Wales, and Mr. Guy Drinkle. And this show is brought to you in partnership with LibertyShield.com, the perfect VPN companion for all your football viewing when we do again have football viewing. And you can get 25% off everything using the coupon code AIVPN. Now, uh, Liberty Shield uh, does have free uh, VPN apps with uh, iOS, Android, Android, even Amazon, Fire Stick TV, uh, your Mac and Windows and all them lovely things. So, uh, yep, go there. Remember that coupon code, 25% off with AIVPN. Now, normally, I say well, normally, and they're certainly not normal, Um Today's show, as always, look, we, we will look back on the action that took place uh, over this past month, albeit a very limited amount of action because of the coronavirus pandemic. Uh, and normally, we would also take a look at the month ahead. But for those obvious reasons, uh, we just don't know when that might be. So myself and Guy are going to improvise. I think that's one way to to, uh, to put it, Guy. Uh, wing it is another way, I suppose. Yes, we didn't think about the idea of this about 10 minutes before we start recording <laughs> uh, actually no we were planning it for like a week and we kept forgetting didn't we that that's probably more of the truth but uh <laughs> yeah we've we've been trying to think of stuff to actually talk about because we've got three games and they were like 10 years ago and i'm not yeah i'm not exaggerating on that time scale no it, it does feel a lifetime ago that um, we had actual football to watch and talk about so yeah, we will get to to the games very very shortly. But I mean, on the on that pressing matter, I mean, obviously the coronavirus pandemic it's it's a global thing. It's affected life, and you know, obviously football falls within all of that, and and every other sport as well that's affected. Um, I, I guess the question is, and and this has been covered by so many different people, but uh, as we record this it, over the past twenty four hours, there has been comments from. The UEFA president, um, Alexander Seferin, um, reports that um, the, him saying there is a risk of the season being lost if it couldn't be started by the end of June. So, I mean, how, how do we move forward with this one guy? Because is it really realistic to believe that, um, you know, that's it? This this season can just be scrubbed? Because, for me, you know, the risk of legal action from, you know, at, However many clubs you want to talk about in, involved in anything from fighting for European places, uh, fighting for promotions, top, you know, up up and down the, the different league structures all over Europe, uh, broadcasters as well, you know, for all for all these these games that they they've paid the money for that you know they're expecting to see and fans and everything else. I mean. It, You'd imagine it'd be a bit of a litigation nightmare to just turn around and say, you know, that's it, it's scrubbed. We'll just start again in September as though nothing ever happened. Yeah, I imagine if it if that was the idea, imagine all the legal battles that had not just from us, but say Leeds, who about a proof promoted for the first back to the Premier League for the first time in twenty odd years. 
Mm. Um, Leicester getting the Champions League. Um, City might be going out the Champions League, so whoever's in fifth, like Sheffield United, Wolves, Manchester United, etc. They're they're all fighting for a Champions League spot, potentially. Like, if they just make the season null and void, like, football won't start again. Like, this is just saying, if if we even this coronavirus stuff is even if you can play or you can't play for as, as long as you can, but that doesn't mean it will just start um, in the winter or, or um, the autumn. It, it just won't because pe- people won't allow it. The teams won't allow it for the season to be forgot. Cause like, I'm trying not to mention us, but unbiasedly as possible, but like imagine, imagine being Sheffield United. You, for, you will, Pretty much everyone's favourite to probably finish nineteenth or twenty. Well, the thing thing with that Sheffield United is they've got a game in hand. They win that mm. game in hand and they move up to fifth place, yeah. which would be based on you know, Manchester City being currently being out of the Champions League. It would be a Champions League spot, and this is the thing. But it's like who's to say that Leicester wouldn't get caught? You know the 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 way their form was going. Who's to say Chelsea would still finish fourth and United would still finish fifth? You know, you, so you would have the case of of Sheffield United and also Wolves who are currently sixth, and maybe even Spurs might even think you know if we can get it together, we we're still in with a shout. You know, mm. it's where where does it end? <laughs> It just doesn't. And like you said, yeah, and like you said, you know, you you start looking below that. You've got West Brom, and you've got Leeds. Well, if they said, okay, well, them two can come up. What about the clubs behind them? You know, there yeah. there is just so many questions and so many scenarios, and you you start going through, and that's through all the different leagues, because there'll be these kind of situations in you know League One and League Two as well, and then you you go to the various European leagues. Uh, it could get very, very messy. And, you know, in terms of like, you know, who do you award European places to and everything mm. else like that, it's, it could get very, very messy and an awful lot of money involved. Yeah, absolutely. And that <clears throat> that's the thing that, like, as for us as fans, it, it's all about, well, for us, it's winning the bloody league for the first time in 30 odd years. Um, but for the clubs, it is about the money. Like, <clears throat> Who's in the relegation zone? I think it's Aston Villa and Bournemouth at the minute. So they're just going to get relegated. I think Norwich are down. But say Norwich, Bournemouth and Aston Villa. So do they just get relegated or two of them get relegated and swap out with Leeds and West Brom? Um, because that's that's like hundreds of millions. I don't know they get the parachute payments, but that's potentially hundreds of millions and potentially club-breaking if a team gets relegated. Not undeservedly, because we're in the relegation zone, but without having the last uh, eight nine games to to get out of it, because Villa and Bournemouth, especially they they're in a they're in a battle with Watford, Brighton, West Ham. I mean, it, it's no shock people like what um, the West Ham owners and, and and Karen Brady wanted it voided, Spurs at the time, but now that they realised, oh, we get our players back from injury, maybe they'll want the season to go back on. <laughs> um, but it's just, it, it's no surprise it's the team that would probably, like, disintegrate if they got relegated, wanted the season voided. But uh, it, it just can't be. It simply can't be. Like, you have to finish this season. Maybe you don't finish the Champions League because it doesn't matter who wins um, a cup competition. But in, in a league, there's so many knock-on effects, as you say. There's, there's so much money involved. Where I know you get loads of money for the Champions League, but... Like, you can just say nobody won it this year, and that's fine. But if there's a mm. gap in the league, and this probably is a tad Liverpool bias, but hey, I'm on the Liverpool podcast, I'm on a Liverpool fan. Um, <laughs> if you don't give us the league, I mean, do you really want... The Premier League is a huge brand, but it's also always a growing brand. Do you really want to piss off one of the two biggest teams in the world? Like, Man United is the only one comparably big as is in the Premier League. Do you really want to piss off Man United, uh, piss off Liverpool and Man United? You, you just don't. You can't. Like, I, I, it's easy to say if we don't get given the league or we don't win the league, we'll be done with football. But there will be some people who are probably more strong-willed than I who would actually stop winning, stop watching or fall out of love with football. I mean, I could, I could probably start watching tennis or balls or darts or something but it it i think it'd kill the game for so many people like i've said it to my mates i'd probably tr- i'd try to stop watching but i probably couldn't but uh 
you just have, you just genuinely not have the love for football. God, it sounds corny. This not have the love for football anymore if we don't get the league because it's not like we're one point ahead or something. We're twenty five points ahead. We deserve the league. We're one get. If we play Man City and we beat Man City, we've won the league. <laughs> That's it. It's just. This yeah, season needs I, to get finished, and whether it's behind closed doors or whatever, as long as it's safe for the players and if they want people there, so be it. But just either finish it in a six-week mini rush league or something like that behind closed doors. It just needs to be done just simply to keep the ball, keep football rolling around as normal. Exactly. I, I think that's the thing, you know, for the integrity of all the all the domestic league competitions, they need to just finish you know, we're over three quarters of the way through the season. As you've said, you know, look, domestic cups, they can easily be scrapped. That That is inconsequential. The Champions League, this, I know there's an awful lot of money riding on that. There are ways and means they could just divide up the pot of all the teams that are still left in that competition, which obviously does not include ourselves. Um, that is one way around it. I'm, I'm sure UEFA would come up with something, even if it meant almost some kind of summer competition you know, some way of doing it in a very condensed way. But you, I, I really do believe that you just cannot say, no, that's it, we'll scrap it off. And, and not just purely for the Liverpool side of it. I, th- I just think there, there is way too much riding on it for the integrity of all the various different competitions. They just need to be finished. And for the sake of nine games, you, you can have, you know, weekend, midweek, mid- weekend, midweek. It can be done in, in the space of five weeks, five to six weeks. Uh, but obviously, like you said, the, the key thing is all those involved in the game must be safe. They must be kept safe. So if that means it's got to be behind closed doors, then so be it. For me, so be it. As 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 heartbreaking as that would be, you know, especially for us after 30 years to finally lift a league championship, you know, to to not do it in front of fans, to not be able to parade it in front of fans, that that would be that would hurt. But you know, health and well-being has to come first. It has to be paramount. So, yeah, when it's safe to do so, condense what the games that are left, get them done, get them finished. Uh, and the other thing, guy, is you know that this this could be the way of you know, of realigning European leagues ahead of the 2022 20, uh, World Cup. Yeah, and that, that was one of the um, theories or plans is that we could have we could have turned the league into um, a summer league, couldn't we, where we, we flip, it on, flip it on its head. And uh, our end of the season is, I think it was either De- December or January, whichever way it worked out, but it would be, it would be in line with... With the World Cup, as you say, um, and obviously the Euros as well, uh, which is a whole other kettle of fish. But um, yeah, it's just affected everything. I mean, in terms of the Euros being postponed, um, I don't really care. <laughs> um, it doesn't really affect me. I just like something to watch in in the uh, in the summer. Um, but no, it's it it it, it it's got such a knock on effect, like. I mean, calling it Euro 2021 sounds sounds wrong, doesn't it? It does, <laughs> does a bit, doesn't it? Ah, it's just the Euros. Who cares what it's called? But, hey, well. Right, so I, th- I think we're, we're pretty much in agreement, aren't we, though? You know, whatever happens, the league, the league, camp- league campaigns, all football league campaigns do need to be concluded, however that may be, whether that, you know, in a condensed fashion, whether it's with or without fans, it's just got to be done. Uh, I think we're in agreement on that one, aren't we? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I think anyone who does, doesn't have um, um, their hatred of Liverpool <laughs> above anything else, I think is probably in agreement with that as well. But, uh, you know, we're, that's football tribalism for you. So let's let's talk about the, the three matches that Liverpool played in March before things Yay. did get stopped. <laughs> um, yeah, it wasn't um, particularly pleasurable uh, we did start with the FA Cup game away to Chelsea um, lost 2-0 this was a game I was unable to watch live because I was working and yeah I'm, I'm, I'm quite thankful I didn't want, I didn't put myself through it 
Yeah, quite fortunately. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I completely forgot about this game and that it existed and that the FA Cup exists. But um, looking at the teams and stuff like that now, it, it, it's kind of flooding back to me. Um, and it, it, Kepa, I, I can't, Arita Balaga is jumping out at me because we, we kind of fixed his career, didn't we? He, he was pretty much one foot out the door and... He had a man of the match um, performance against us. Then I had to talk about it on a podcast, which was fun. It wasn't. <laughs> it was crap. But no, this was this was a, such a strange game. We kind of went a mix of um, we can't <laughs> young players and then squad players and then pretty much our back four apart from uh, Trent. It it was just kind of strange. I think we had a we had a decent break to. Atletico and obviously Bournemouth doesn't didn't really matter seeing as the undefeated thing's gone. So I thought I think most people thought maybe we take this a smidge more seriously. Um <clears throat> considering the FA Cup, I mean the Premier League was pretty much done. Uh, this was this was before coronavirus times. <laughs> the Premier League was pretty much done, so we might as well take the FA Cup quite seriously. And we we kind of half asked it really, and the performance was there. I mean we I don't know how we didn't score. I mean, Origi was awful. Um, I can't remember any chances or anything like that. I just remember most people being awful. The young lads had probably their worst experiences in a Liverpool shirt. Fabinho still looks like drunk Fabinho, or he did then, which is one of the positives about the break, or somewhat of, <laughs> of the break, is that Fabinho and Alisson will hopefully be back to their normal standards. Uh, and Alisson will be back fit, obviously. Um... And yeah, it was it was just a it was just a poor game. I mean, it just it's just a typical FA Cup game for Liverpool. We don't take it too seriously, and it's kind of half-assed. And that was kind of what this game was to me, half-assed. And after they went one nil up, I think we kind of just went, yeah, screw it, got other stuff to do. Yeah, my my abiding memory from uh, from watching highlights, extending highlights of this afterwards was. How on earth did we not score? <laughs> yeah. That run of that that sort of that run of three saves from Kepper, yeah, you know, fantastic for him as a goalkeeper. But how on earth did we not score? And the thing is, we're on about Kepper, who got dropped for Willy Caballero, who's a hundred and five years old. It's, oh god, I mean, in, yeah. in terms of worst signings, he must be up there. Crunson spent the. 80 odd 75 80 mil on him and he's getting dropped for some 40 year old goalkeeper it's just it's it's our curse with backup goalkeepers and it doesn't matter how bad you are or who you are or your situation if you're a backup goalkeeper play against liverpool you're gonna you're gonna have a good game we bought <laughs> we bought bogdan because of it <laughs> Alex McCarthy is there a can't Premier be any from. reason why we bought Bogdan other than he was free but anyway <clears throat> so yeah d- disappointing um, <clears throat> I do remember at the time I was saying looking at Ed saying you know the, the form that we're in I think it was important for us to to get ourselves back together and get back on the on the horse so to speak so it, it was dis- disappointing in that regard and obviously in the grand scheme of things it won't actually matter but next up was the Premier League at home to Bournemouth. Now, I had said as well that, you know, just because it's Bournemouth, just because we always beat Bournemouth and, you know, they're, they're good to us like that, um, <clears throat> it doesn't mean we can take it for granted. Uh, we actually fell behind in this game, but we did come back to win it. Um, what were your thoughts then on, on the Bournemouth goal? Because... Um, again, it's back to that old. Remember when we used to talk about VAR? Hmm. That old one. For me, like that is quite a blatant push on Gomez. Although I do feel mm-hmm. he should have dealt with it a bit better. He could have dealt with it better. It was a blatant push. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you in both um, pieces. It's 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 weak from Gomez. Um, and then the defending afterwards quite poor. I think we obviously had Milner playing left back. Uh, he kind of gets done. He kind of gets attracted to the ball where he maybe should have been covering the runner. I think Fabinho had the one um, on the ball, if I remember correctly. Um, 
And yeah, it was just we just didn't defend well, but Gomez could have been stronger. But ultimately, for me, when something's that blatant, and you can almost forgive it if it was pre VAR, because I don't know, it was quite direct, and the referee might have been out of position and stuff like that, and the assistant as well. But when you've got VAR, it's literally, I mean, Gomez is jockeying him pretty much like he's got he's in con- full control of it and Wilson pretty blatantly just pushes him in the back whether it's not exactly like he's proper yeeted him like world's the world's strongest man or something like that and threw him 10 mile but it's a game of football like pushing someone if your hands are arms are extended it, it's a it's a foul it's not a bucket or anything like that but it's just just one of them where it should have been a free kick but I don't know, maybe Gomez should have passed back to Adrian or something like that, but maybe not considering the game we're about to talk about. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah, it was it just for me, it was Gomez yeah. was a little bit languid. I, I'm yeah. happy you know, that he feels calm and composed on the ball, but for me there, it just needed a little bit more urgency about it. You know, Like you said, mm-hmm. you know, you're shielding him off. Just deal with the situation. Uh, and then, yeah, the ball comes back down the other end and we start again, but... Yeah, it is what it is. So what about the goals we scored then? I mean, uh, I guess we haven't got much to pick uh, from in terms of um, goal of the month, but did, did you feel like we were kind of getting back back onto it in that game? Do you feel like we were starting to build our confidence back up again? No. <laughs> um, it was... It's been patchy, hasn't it? I think since the return from the winter break it it wasn't going that well and people were saying oh it's only because Henderson was missing and stuff obviously we did miss Henderson but it, it was it just seemed more than that everyone just seemed depleted of everything like momentum yeah footballing ability in Fabinho's case <laughs> um, could just one thing sorry could it, mm-hmm. just one thing on that Henderson thing mm-hmm. what I really didn't what was getting on my nerves was this narrative of can't they kept pushing or oh, Liverpool are lacking leadership on the pitch without Henderson I'm sorry but that was absolute nonsense that that was not what was lacking in in the team out there on the pitch um, we did lack some of the things that Henderson you know, the the aggression and the drive that Henderson brings to the team but in terms of leadership that wasn't what was lacking on the pitch it really wasn't it, it was all the mm. basics, the fundamentals that you normally see from us, I, I feel that's that's what we've been really, really short of. And I, and I do have to say, though, in this Bournemouth game, there were patches through the game where we did look more ourselves, where we were applying pressure after pressure after pressure, mm. even though we were leading. That's against Bournemouth, though. <laughs> we, well, yeah. we could have done that, un- no, maybe not under Hodgson, uh, under Rogers, <laughs> um, but no, it's yeah. I mean the Henderson thing. Like I don't want to. It's the only thing to talk about in this spell or that spell. Uh, I think we missed the player more than the leader captain thing more than anything because he was probably our only informed midfielder uh, at the time. Because um, Ginny, I know he's yeah. really, I know he's really good against Atletico, but he's not really had the best season. And Fabinho, as, as I keep alluding to, playing like he's drunk and has one leg at the min, doesn't help. So having an informed midfield, I think, rather than people focusing on the leadership side, which he obviously brings, but we've got like Van Dyke, Moore's a leader, Fabinho is a leader, as I said, drunk and all that jazz. Um, but we, we just, I think we were missing the, the player more so than anything with, with Henderson. Um, I agree. But um, yeah, this, the Bournemouth game, I think, I think the front three played well, but... We kind of still let in opportunity. There's a Milner cleared one off the line, didn't he, and stuff like that. It, it was kind of, it was pr- almost promising going forward. If, if I remember correctly, Moore played really well, um, and he continued that on to Atletico as well, which we'll obviously talk about in a sec. Um, Bobby's still shocking at Anfield, even against Atletico. He was pretty shit. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was, it was almost, it was promising. If I'm if I if I remember correctly, Christ, this feels like it was like a year ago. <laughs> um, if I remember correctly, Mo and Mane played well. Bobby wasn't that good. Um, not lucky to win. Probably deserved to win, but sloppily won. I think. Um, mm. But yeah, it's, uh, yeah, the one game we're going to talk about now. 
It's that's the main one from this month, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it is. And <clears throat> yeah, so Liverpool Atletico, we end up losing three two in extra on uh, in extra time and four two on aggregate. And yeah, it was the big game. Uh, I do feel it was it was a much better performance from us than than what mm-hmm. we'd seen of late. Absolutely. You know, not you know in. For most of that, for, you know, that uh, 90 minutes, for most of it, it was a much better performance. Um, but overall, I do think it's too easy just to blame Adrian for our Champions League exit. And mm-hmm. although his errors were costly, um, certainly on the first one, this defeat, for me, orders much to wasteful finishing and some excellent goalkeeping from Jan Oblak as it did to those mistakes from Adrian. So I, I think for me, it, it, it's it's too easy just to pin it on Adrian and say it was down to him when in reality we could and should have won that game inside 90 minutes had we been better at finishing and unfortunately not been going up against uh, the guy who's the who's the only contender in my eyes at, mm-hmm. right now to be number one goalkeeper in the world, number one contender to... Uh, yeah. To Alisson. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah, yeah, absolutely. I agree 100%. Um, as I, I mentioned um, in the Bournemouth one, Bobby was shocking. Um, yes. Couldn't hit a band door. I think he missed a couple very easy chances. Robbo missed. I, I can't, I don't know, I can't remember if it was a good defender or bad miss. Might have been a bit of both. Robbo missed an easy header. Um, Mane wasn't that good, I don't think either. Um or he certainly wasn't in front of goal. I think he tried like two overhead kicks. I I just kind of the highlights before. I remember him trying some stupid um, shots. Um, I thought he had some good moments here and there, yeah. some good patches. And and I do feel if we could have involved him more down that side of the pitch, he did have the beating, you know, the ability to go in behind. But obviously, yeah. a lot of our play tends to go down the right, doesn't it? Yeah, I think the way that Trent and Moore were playing, I think it was natural to go down that side because they had Lodi on on toast really. Um, I think they changed it up a smidge and put, I think they put Corky or something that side and it helped a bit, but Moore and Trent were probably two of our better players with Ginny, I'd say, on the night and Ox, obviously. Um, uh, yeah, it's. It, I agree um, with your first point um, about Adrian's obviously got the headlines and he's had the, the big moment and stuff like that, but you just simply can't go, it's all on him because we had the chances to win that quite I'm not even going to say comfortably, quite easily, really. We could have won that 3 0 and nobody would have batted an eye. And it's it's quite disappointing. I, you know, we get the goal like pretty much two minutes after into it, um, added extra time. But it it's I think as soon as it went to extra time, I know we scored straight away. I think it was like oh, you can just feel something. You can feel it a bit. And then we scored and I was like, forget about that. And then it, it, it happened. It just, yeah. It happened, but uh, you, you're dead right. But now we're going to spend like five minutes slagging off Adrian, I, I assume. But uh, <laughs> but uh, you're dead no, right I, before I we scored. actually. Just that one thing, because I mean, obviously a lot a lot of the analysis can, you know, is often done in hindsight and based on the actual scoreline rather than, you know, what took place on the pitch. And there's a lot of things afterwards, you know, saying how um, how Diego Simeone did a job, a tactical job on mm. on Klopp and yada 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 and all that. Yeah, yes, they won, but as you said, inside ninety minutes, like like you said, that game that game could have finished three nil and nobody would have batted an eyelid or had a cause for complaint. Mm. So Liverpool were well on top of them, yep. and Atletico were kind of struggling to get a foothold and get out of it. However, having said that. They have, like I said, you know the the between Jan Oblak and and Allison, it's you know pick whoever you want as the number one goalkeeper in the world. You can make a case for either of them too. Fantastic goalkeeper, and they are very adept at what we force them to do, or force them to do, and what they're comfortable at doing. You know, defending their their box. So. You know they are very good at. It. They're very adept at it. They're happy doing that. But having said that, we we were carving out chances. We were creating opportunities, and we really should have done better. And it is that that's the side of it that really really concerned me 
across the night, across the full 120 minutes, was our inability to uh, to finish. You know that lack mm. of clinical finishing, and it, and it's even and Bobby's other, goal. It took three goals. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah it, it's. He had he had a brilliant chance before that you know a header and he just completely missed it and it's oh, I know yeah yes we are so far ahead in the league over the course of the season and it's fantastic that we're not relying on just one goal scorer and the goals are being shared around and everything like that and yes we've got a fantastic team but but going forward when we do start to plan for next season um, I I do really feel. And I think this kind, this match really sort of emphasised it for me. Is we do need something else in our attacking options, someone who can be more clinical mm-hmm. well, and take these opportunities. You know, just in in the mm-hmm. case of if our front three, if one of them's missing or one of them's not on form, we can move it around. We've got someone in there who can start and be relied upon, not just a cult figure in mm-hmm. likes of Origi. Origi yeah. He might come on and do some some mad stuff and, and score with a back header from 35 yards. But yeah, it, that, that was, that was the biggest thing for me because Adrian's a backup goalkeeper and he's a very, he's a very good backup goalkeeper and, and he had a bad night. Yeah. So, and that's, you know, it was a bad, bad night, bad mistakes, but had Alison been in goal, I'm pretty sure that the first one wouldn't have happened. The second goal happens because of the first, because it mm-hmm. gave them the encouragement and the confidence to to then suddenly get at us. And the third one is purely because we're committing so many people forward. But Adrian was beaten so easily at his near post that Allison one v one. I don't think you're getting past him. So yeah, Allison undoubtedly would have made a difference. But I think the biggest difference on that pitch to be made for us was in the attacking third. The the chances were there and we didn't take them and and that's the thing that'll live with me. Yeah, you you spot on there. I think Adrian. I don't think he's going to go the way of Carrius because it wasn't the Champions League final. But uh, it, it's almost similar circumstances minus the concussion stuff. I mean, people have strange views on that um, in terms of denying it and stuff like that. But um, it's kind of the same. Whereas. Obviously, more went off. That kind of killed the game for us. And that one, this one, our poor finishing kind of killed it. And then a goalkeeper, <clears throat> depends how you feel about Carrius's potential at the time, but probably not in at the level required for a European, for the Champions League competition. Um, and the screw up, uh, and that's what happens. But I think you're dead, you're dead right with the, uh, in terms of the fourth, not fourth choice, but fourth option in the attack, obviously linked with Werner, Sancho, Mbappe, every other striker in the world. Um, It's, I mean, everyone loves Bobby. We love Bobby. I love Bobby. You love Bobby. People listening love Bobby. What, he scored one goal at Anfield this season? Yeah. kind of need something a bit more from your number nine. Yeah. Just whisper it. Yeah, you? absolutely right. I mean, I was going to ask you that question. I mean, are we? Do we? Should we start to be somewhat concerned about Bobby? In that, uh, look, he, you know, what he, in terms of what he offers the team, his movement, his off the ball work, it is just sensational. It's second to none, and he's a big part of why you know the the other two in the front three are so effective. However, when we need him. At times on the ball, I think this season he's frustrated me at times with his decision making. Mm-hmm. We, you know, when to dribble, when to pass, when to shoot, things like that. And then when he's getting opportunities, you know, just how clinical he is. I, I have found him frustrating at times this season, and and that is coming from someone who, mm. who who's a huge advocate for him. I am, I love him to bits. He's mad as mad as anything, and I love him, but. I I do feel a bit concerned as his his inconsistent form this season. So mm. that's my few... question to you: Is it right? Am I right to be concerned? Do we do we have to be concerned? Um, I mean, if we go on to sit next season and Bobby's our first choice nine, I'm not I'm not saying you want to just bin Bobby, obviously. But if we go in and our front three is the same, that is that's perfectly fine. You'll agree. Every Liverpool fan in the world agree. But if we go yep. into next season, whenever it is, and our backup forwards are still Minamino question mark because we don't know what the hell 
or where the hell he's going to play. But if it's still Origi and the ghost of Shakiri and Harvey Yelly and stuff like that, that's where the issue is. Like, if we sign Werner, Werner seems the most likely because he's not going to cost $150 million. Um So say we get Werner, he can swap out with all three of them, can't he? I mean, you've probably seen Leipzig more than I have, but he said the, the little bits I've seen, he's pretty much played all three positions in a front three. Um, so he can cover for all of them, or he can play, I imagine, ahead of three of them in a 4 2 3 1 or something like that, or we can put more up front, whatever. If we go in with the same backup three, that's where we've screwed up. If we go in with Bobby as the nine, that's fine. But the concern is there because. I think he's the oldest of the three. I think he's 29 going on 30. I might be wrong. I'll Google it next time you're talking. Um, but he's the oldest. Obviously, I think it's fair to say he's had the, the weakest. The, saying weakest season on a season we're having in the Premier League is weird. But he's definitely had one of the weakest seasons in our squad, I think. I think in terms of our nailed-on starters, you probably say Ginny's not had his best season. I know he's been... He had a great game against Atletico, but he's kind of been ghostly most of the bloody season. Strangely, I'd probably say Robbo. Maybe he's just overshadowed a bit by Trent, but I don't think Robbo's had perfect season like he did last year in his first eight months or whatever he was. And then I'd probably say Bobby's probably had the third quietest season out of our usual stars. Maybe Fabinho, because he forgot how to play football, but he was most people's player of the year, uh, player of the season before he got injured, or he was certainly up there. Um, But he certainly had a strange season. Like, I think if I remember correctly, he was absolutely on fire for August. You Like, literally everyone's player of the month. I think he was even Premier League player of the month. And then he went a bit crap for a while. He's, he's, very, he's very much a purple patch player nowadays, and I don't think you get that. I think with Mo and Mane, that I think that's the difference between them. Mo and Mane, they're not patchy play. They're not patchy players. I think they're always, always effective. They don't have to be good. I mean, they can be bad. They can be awful. We've seen Mo and Mane have awful games, but they're always effective in one way. Whereas with Bobby, we see games where he kills us, absolutely kills us. And I don't want to start slagging him off, but I think that's the difference. Like, if you, I think. People were talking about when we linked with Sancho. Oh, we'll bin Salah and stuff like that. I think Bobby's the, the the weakest of the three by far for me. And obviously, we're trying to fill time here, people, because we have nothing else to discuss. He <laughs> <laughs> turns twenty nine in October. Does he? Okay. And Salah and and Mane are both both turned twenty eight this year. So right, yeah, okay. I mean the, that is the other thing to this. You know, we all three are in. You know in or approaching the, the latter of their, you know, the, of their twenties. So mm. the, they are, you know, the, you've got to think that the, we're, we're not daft. We also, we, we plan for the future. We'll start looking at, you know, younger players and moving on. And the, the only way I see us deciding that we'll move, say more Salah on would be because he's probably got the highest, market value of the three mm. so if someone came in with a ridiculous offer and the mm-hmm. club had you know two maybe two people to bring in mm-hmm. they would as we've seen before with with Coutinho you know we can we can bring in an awful lot of money and then we can spend it and we you know Coutinho went and that money was effectively spent mm-hmm. on Allison and Van Dyke. so mm. I, if we did make that decision I would I would trust us to do it I just don't think we're necessarily looking at that, but it's it's perhaps something that we will be factoring in. Yeah, at the club is is their age. Well, you think, and and like you said, you know, Bobby is the older of the three. Yeah, um, probably the least market, mark, yeah, market value though. But yeah, you think, I and mean, his, and his style of play as well. You know, that's yeah, it's, it's very it's gonna, physically, it's got to take its toll, hasn't it? It's very, yeah, so, it's very, yeah. Team Timo Werner plays mm-hmm. played on the left of a three, played centre forward usually plays as part of a front two mm-hmm. for, for Leipzig. So versatile, does score goals, takes penalties. Yeah, got the speed and everything mm-hmm. like that, his movement, everything. He's got much better this season. He's been His decision-making for me is, is a big thing that's improved. We're heavily linked with him. Um, it's possible. It is possible, but 
you know the, that's one thing that we've we've learned to um, to trust as well heavily over the these past few years, three four years, is that when it comes to transfers, we're normally very very good and identifying yeah. and selecting the right the right target. So absolutely, you know whatever needs to happen. I think is it fair to say, Guy, then that um, we can trust the club to uh, to make the right move. Oh God, I mean, if we sold the whole team in the summer, I'd still expect us to <laughs> rock out with a world class team. <laughs> like, <laughs> if we sold like Allison, yeah, if we sold Allison, I'm not expecting us to just go. Oh, we'll just whack Adrian in for the next season. It'd be, we'd find some absolute mad lad from like Romania or something who's absolutely class wouldn't we um but yeah I think <clears throat> I think in terms of the attack I think that's where it's not an issue well it is an issue the, the depth is the issue but it's um it's probably one of the last pieces in the squad we need to find is, is a is a fourth potential world-class or actually world-class player in in that position because you, you're right the initial um question we it's my first statement as well we can't go into next season relying on Origi maybe harshly Minamino and Chikiri who's obviously either injured or doesn't exist anymore um it's it's we just can't we have to buy someone it doesn't it doesn't have to be Werner it doesn't have to be Sancho but it has to be someone who we can rely upon a lot more than them because Maybe we thought Origi could grow into that because he did have the bet. He was much better last season, um, but this season he's apart from that game against Everton and I think Arsenal in the cup. He's been awful every time he's played. And, mm. and I, I keep joking, but I genuinely have no idea where Shakiri is. <laughs> <laughs> he's a figment of your imagination. Yeah. He's he's exploded into Bruce, his own calves. Brooks Willis was a ghost. <laughs> <laughs> so what about a goal of the month then? There was only four to choose from. Which which one won it for you? Um seeing as I watched it before we started podding, because the Bournemouth game happened. Still happened. Um I'll go with the Salah one for that because Mane tried his best to not assist him and more made the best of it. So I'll go with Salah for that. All right. Well, I'm going to pick the Bobby one. Having having said all that <clears throat> and the voice concerns, um, I'm going to go for the Bobby one just for that. The adjustment, you know, the header, back off the post adjustment, calm as you like, bang, in the back of the net. And it was... Um... Calm as you like's a bit strong. <laughs> <laughs> all right, you know what I mean. Yeah, it would have been quite apt that his first goal of the season at Anfield was was the one that took us through in the Champions League, but it wasn't a B. But uh, I still enjoyed that goal anyway. But yeah, there were slim pickings this month for that. What what about Player of the Month then? Who was your March Player of the Month from those three games? I know what your answer is, but I will I'll pick one seriously because I know yours is kind of a bit different. Um, I will go more because he was good against Bournemouth, from what I can remember. And obviously that goal, and he was fantastic against Atletico Madrid, and the Chelsea game doesn't count because it's the FA Cup and it's not canon. I'll go for the jokey one then, Allison, because uh, yeah, we we realised just how damn good he is when he wasn't there. Absolutely, that'd be, <laughs> yeah. I think that'd be consecutive for Allison. So I'll go with Allison just a tie. Break. Yeah, <laughs> though if I was being serious, then yeah, the yeah, more I, I think you're very fair. You know, he he did play well. So if I was being deadly serious, I, I would say more as well. Hey, we might have to do this again <laughs> when, <laughs> when, when the other fixtures get placed. Uh, yeah, yeah, who was who was your August? Or who was your July? <laughs> who was your yeah. July March? <laughs> yeah. So anyway, that that's our three games done in absolute deadly depth. Um. Academy guy, I mean, obviously the way things have been done, I, I know as a junior football coach, that's everything junior-wise has been ended for the for the season now. That is it. It's done and dusted. It won't uh, reconvene or finish. And, and anything below, I think it was something like um, non-league level two or whatever it was, national league two or something, is just done. So that that's it for the academy season. Um, was there anything that happened in March for the under-18s and the under-23s? And then, uh, secondly, as a question for you, is there? do you think there's anyone um, who's made a case this season to perhaps be involved in, in a cup game next year that we haven't already seen? 
Well, having a look at the uh, results, I mean, the under-23s, their matches all got postponed from the end of February, um, so they were kind of ahead of the curve. Um, and let me just scroll up to the under-18s. Elevator music. Um, do, 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 do. God, the Liverpool website is terrible, people. <laughs> preparation. Preparation. It's all in the preparation. It is, it is. I should have had these tabbed, but I only had one open. Um, there was a game for the, I think it's technically the under-19s, because it's the UEFA Cup. Uh, we lost 4-1 to Benfica, I think. Yeah. There you go. Happy days. Marvellous. Happy days. <laughs> oh, so so what, of my, what of my question then? Is there anybody... Over the course of the season, from either under 18s, under 19s, or under 23s, who's made a case to be um, involved in any of the cup games next season that we we haven't already seen? I'm going to do a cheat answer, Andy, right? Mm-hmm. Because you know, I don't watch this anymore, and I just read out the answers, <laughs> read out the results, and then promise to watch it and never do. So my cheat answer, Andy, is going to be Paul Glatzel who obviously uh, blew his knee out in pre-season, but was oh. is very highly um, thought of. And we don't, since obviously Bobby Duncan buggered off, um, up front's probably been one of the positions we've kind of struggled in. So I'll go Paul Glatzel, albeit he's not played this like season. That. But there's my cheat answer, people. But if you actually do watch the Academy, feel free to tweet me and tell me an idiot and tell me people who've actually impressed. Um, so what of Nico Williams then? Where I where are you with him then? Do you think he's shown enough to be considered as as backup to Trent next season? Oof. Um, I think the fact that we have Milner and he's not really trusted in well, not trusted, not used in midfield. Don't know why it's a not trusted in James Milner, but not used in midfield as much as he he once was. I think the fact that Milner can fill in both fullbacks, I think it'd be fine to kind of have Nico as. 2.5 back up if that makes sense um but yeah i think there's a couple people nathan who i used to do um the academy pod with many years ago um he's not as high on as as williams as i am but um i'm not high on but as some people am as some people are um I think he, I think he has potential i think in terms of our system he does i think he's good going forward defensively there's still there's still work there, but he's not going to be playing every week because we have the best right back in the world. So that I think that's fine, um, unless Trent gets touch wood, um, gets an injury. Um, <clears throat> I think I think Williams is fine as kind of third choice or joint second choice with Milner. Um, so I think that's fine. I think the other side's probably the issue because I think Larucci. I think there's more issues there. He's not as good going forward. He's probably worse defensively. Um, Adam Lewis is a midfielder. Uh, I don't know the younger, younger foot, uh, left backs, um, but if there's anyone there, tell me. Um, uh, so yeah, I think maybe back up left back. I know Milner's there, but uh, we still need to be thinking about that. I think people have said by Jamal Lewis from Norwich, and that kind of makes sense to me. Or even someone that even more experienced. I think we've been linked with like Creswell because he obviously, I think he's a Liverpool fan and a scouser. Yeah, I don't think that's. Yeah, gonna he's, he's not. He's not that good, but no. kind, kind <clears throat> of it. Kind of in that maybe like twenty nine thirty, but maybe someone a smidge better than than Creswell. Uh, mm. What What about Curtis Jones then? Do Do you think there's <clears throat> because he certainly made an impact, doesn't he? When he's played for the under twenty three, he's kind of becoming mm-hmm. clear that he's he's just too good for that level. Do you, do you think we we do see him involved much more with the match day squads going forward? I just hope he takes Lallana's place. I mean, you could kind of word that into a joke, but in the way that if you're looking through Klopp's eyes, take Lallana's place rather than our eyes, Andy. Um, and I, I think that's what he can do. He can be sixth, seventh choice midfielder and obviously get all the cup games. You can be a rotation option. I mean, we mentioned the Bournemouth game, but they, we tend to suit playing them, obviously, and we can kind of rotate in and out a few. But um, say if we tiered our midfield, Fab, Ginny Henderson as the front, the first three, then Ox, Naby kind of on similar standing, Milner as that, uh, and then and then um, uh, Curtis there. Um, I think he can fill it. He can kind of fill in as that 
proper attacking midfield. And obviously, he can play in the front three as well. Probably better suited in the midfield, to be honest. But he can play. But I think he'd be a good bench option or maybe first on the bench if someone's missing kind of thing. Um, and obviously, he can still play under 23s. I think he's only 19 still. Depends when, depends when football restarts. He might be 25 by the time it starts again. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think I think there's he's definitely a squad option. But if we, I don't know, say if we do sign someone in midfield, because we're always linked with midfielders, aren't we? But say if Klopp, I don't know, fallen out of trust with Naby and we sign a big, num- a big name in there, I think we were linked with... Um, the Napoli midfield, Fabian Ruiz, we were linked with him, weren't we? Say if we sign him, maybe it might, might be best for Jones to go on, go on loan or something like that then if we do do sign that, uh, sign a, a marquee player and maybe Gruwich can get an opportunity, but I don't, I don't see it myself. But um, yeah, I think it depends what we do in the summer, but if we don't sign a big name midfielder, I'd, I'd, I'd love Jones to get some, to become a squad, uh, a proper squad option rather than just playing FA Cup and League Cup games. Um, but yeah, yeah, I think I think Jones, I think Jones has all all the potential, all the potential. Yeah. So very very briefly on fantasy then, because obviously there was only one game week. I, I mean, who who's top of the two two uh, leagues? The was it the contributor and all the the members? Yes, um, contributors. It is Simon Dowling, aka Hefty Horse. Uh, he does he does the podcast. We are legitimised. God, where am I? I'm 11th. Yeah. Woo. Um, So, yeah. Where are you, Andy? You're near the bottom. Some near the bottom. Somewhere near the bottom. Who are you above? Umar? I'm I'm in West Ham territory, so I think it should just be expunged. Void this. (laughs) Null and void. It's null and void. Yeah. You're above Stu, who used to do the comic pod, Justin Wells and Omar. Umar, how have you been well, So well done. You're out the thanks. relegation zone. Blow it, blow I was going to do well until that Arsenal-Man City game got called off. Absolutely. Absolutely. There we go. Um, in terms of the public league, um, duh, 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 Christopher Gallivan. Well done. Yeah, well done. I'll just have to copy his team. Yeah. No, he'll, <laughs> God, he'll, finish, he'll finish below me. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a hundred. Anyway. I'm 124th in that. Good God. Yeah, I don't, I don't even want to know where I am. <laughs> oh, well done. So predictions then. Oh God. Um, as we get to the end. Now, Buckle in. <laughs> um, obviously, look, there was there was only the one game um, in March in the Premier League. So let's get that one done first. So at the top, it was me and you, joint top. Both on 32 points. Oof. So against Bournemouth, you predicted 3-0. Oh, no. I predicted 2-1. No! And it finished 2-1. Oh, I bottled it. So that means you're on 33 points. I'm on 35. So I think the leagues should just basically, that's it. Now they should just be called. That's it. It's finished. Award mm. Liverpool the league title and award me the predictions title. No, uh, you know, I will. Very importantly. I will sue you. <laughs> I think that should be up there on Sky Sports as a trending nope. topic. But there you well, go. I've got no else to bloody talk about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So look, obviously we don't know when football is coming back, and we don't know in what order the matches will be played or anything like that. So just to cover it off, what we'll do then is the remaining nine games. We've already got predictions in place, me and you for Everton and Crystal Palace. So we'll leave them as they are. Oh dear. So that means there are seven more games. So let's get our predictions in now and let's see what happens then, guys, shall we? Okey-doke. So the next ones that come up are Manchester City away. Ah, oh, right. Let's get some theories in here, Andy. I'm going to guess Fabinho is here. Right. No. Fabinho is going to be good again, so we're we're gonna our midfield is going to be Figer again. Like I'm going to presume Henderson stays at his form, and Ginny's going to build off his impressive performance. So I'm going to go three one to us, mm. and clinch the title if if it does it in this yeah. order. <laughs> well, I am going to be superstitious. I always predict that we lose three two at City, and it's done me 
done me quite well at, in, before. So I'm going to say that we lose 3-2. And that's superstition. That gets me back in if we win. <laughs> yeah. So Aston Villa at home. They are bad. 3 nil us. 3 nil. I'm going to go 2-0. Uh, Brighton away. Um, presumably we've got the league wrapped up, so we may be taking the... F- we don't know what order these games are well, in. Well, yeah, that's, that's true. Yeah, <coughs> that's, that's true. Um, away, Brighton 2-0 us. 2-0, eh? Why not? I'm going to say they'll be... Tight, miserable. What the hell? I'm going to go 1-1. One, one. Oof. I don't know why, but I will. Uh, Burnley at home. At home. Ooh. 2-0. Yeah. I'm going to go 2-1. I was thinking 2-0 myself, but I'll go 2-1 just to be different. Good man. Um, Arsenal away. Mm, they've got better. But they're still Arsenal. And they still have Mustafi and David Luiz in the team. Socrates. Yeah, he's probably the best one, unfortunately, for that. Um, no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, oh, God, we always have a mad game against Arsenal, don't we? Screw it, I'll say we draw two all. We'll be two all. We'll be in parade mode by then. Right. I'm going to say we win 2 1. I like my two ones. Um, Chelsea at home. We owe them something, don't we? We do. Lampard's been a bit of a pain in our backside this season. He has, actually. Uh, fair play to him. Um, he's actually done a lot better than I thought they would. Um, at home, that's probably helpful. I'll go 2-0. I'll, I'll, I'll just use 2-0 as you use 2-1. Right. I'm a bit torn on this one. I'm going to go 2-2. Don't know why. And final one then. What's due to be our final game of the season? Away at Newcastle. How are you? Oh god, this will be boring. Um if it is actually our last game, I will go for a boring ass one nil win. Yeah, I'm gonna do the same. I was thinking the exact same thing. Cause they're safe, we've <coughs> won, it'll just be like, yeah, I'm gonna go and then just tippy tappy round. Mm. Um and, and obviously to add to that, we as we already had locked in, you had uh, us to beat Everton two one. I had a one one draw, and you were, we both actually had us down to beat Crystal Palace two nil. So let's see how things go. Eh? Mm. Once we do finally get back underway, uh, and once things are up and running again, obviously then we'll be back up and running. Um, but before we go, I think just on this coronavirus thing, I, I think there's there was a message sent out by Jurgen Klopp and, and I think it's important to reach, uh, reiterate it here because he said, um, and I quote, I don't think this is a moment where the thoughts of a football manager should be important, but I understand our supporters will want to hear from the team and I will front that. First and foremost, we have to do what we can to protect one another in society, I mean. This should be the case all the time in life, but in this moment, I think it matters more than ever. I've said before that football always seems to be the most important of the least important things, and today football and football matches really aren't important at all. Of course, we don't want to play in front of empty stadiums, and we don't want games or competitions suspended, but if doing so helps one individual stay healthy, just one, we do it, no questions asked. And it's it's hard to argue with anything that Jurgen Klopp said there. He coughed at the end of that message, and I shit myself. <laughs> if you watch it, he coughs towards the end. Doesn't help. <laughs> um, but yeah, he just he put it perfectly. He's much more eloquent than I. <laughs> yeah, in his second language. Yeah, and I so can do, I can do it in German if you want. It'll be very stereotypical. <laughs> Yeah, it's, okay. He he put it perfectly, really, isn't it? Yeah, I, I I love that line. You know, football football is the most important of the least important things. 
So and then that's that is the thing to remember. So um, that's it from uh, from myself and Guy. So as always, we say thank you for listening. And and normally when we sign off from this podcast, uh, we tell you that uh, we'll be back to do it all again in a month's time. But as as we said, look, you know, the reality is that we don't know when the next episode of the Res Review will be because we just don't know when football will return. And and as Jurgen Klopp himself said, you know, football isn't the most important thing right now. No matter how much we love it and we love Liverpool Football Club, what counts most is our health and well-being. So wherever you are in the world listening to this, please do observe any of the lockdown rules that are in force and please do stick to those social distances and things as well. Please, please, please do follow all them. Um, so from myself and myself, Andy Wales, and from Mr. Guy Drinkle here on the Res Review, until the next time we borrow the words of Trev Downey and urge you all to stay safe out there. Network.